You are listening to the Unscripted, Unfiltered, 100% Authentic Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike. Joining with me is our, my other half of the area attack, Miss Jamie. And, of course, our wonderful guest, the uh, beat writer from Michigan State for 24-7 Sports, Mr. Stephen Brooks. First things first, uh, Mr. Brooks, how are you doing on this fine Thursday evening? Man, I'm busy, guys. Uh, not too busy to join the show, of course, but just training <laughs> camp. You know, it's 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 in full swing. Uh, we got some interesting stuff going on up here. I got a couple thousand more words I could probably write. I'm not going to get it all done tonight. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. But uh, there's a lot going on up here that's keeping me busy. So, um, but happy to be here talking football with you guys. I, I, this this time of year, man, there's there's nothing like it. Well, it's a, it's definitely an honor. I truly appreciate you know, and we're definitely going to value your time. And I know you know I'm not too far from Norman, but I know it's a busy time. For for all you guys and uh hey it's it's the but 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 the best part is they were right there at this at the beginning of the season which is you can't complain right right uh, uh, a week from this saturday i'm going to be uh enjoying every moment every second of college football that's on my tv uh the last weekend before i have to start covering it and it's work you know saturday has become work at that point yeah um so i can't wait and just and the, the, the college football fan in me i i cherish these you know bye weeks week zero uh bowl game, you know, early bowl game season, all that stuff where I can just lounge around for 12 hours and, and get straight college football nonstop. Uh, I miss those days as much as I love working in the industry. I, I miss those days a lot. So the first one coming up here is, is always a blast. That gives you a different perspective too. just, you know, you're, oh, yeah. you're obviously you're in the industry. So that's, that's what you do for work. And, you know, we always, we always want to do what we, you know, love as a passion for work. That's what makes it not work, you know, right. but I, I can, I could definitely understand. Whereas when I was coaching gymnastics, so I I was so immersed in it 24 seven. And then sometimes, you know, just being able to sit back and watch it as a spectator. Finally, it was like, huh, oh, this is so nice. I don't have to stress out. I can just enjoy the competition. And so I feel you. <laughs> I've been doing this close to a clo- closing in on a decade now. And I wow. still, you know, get up in the morning and check the schedule and it's like, oh man, you know, uh, TCU, Texas, top 25 game or something. Oh, at noon. Oh, I'm going to be, you know, parking my car and walking 20 minutes to the stadium for my 3.30 kickoff that I have to cover. And so I'm going to miss basically all of that game, aren't I? Okay, well, 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 oh, they got Hawaii at midnight at least? Okay, give me that one. You know, so there's there's just uh, – is I still don't get – I still haven't processed, like, that I'm not going to be able to get to watch all the games I want to watch on any given Saturday. And so just every week, that's a, it's, it's a little tiny gut punch when you, uh, you got to head to the stadium. Absolutely. Well, of course, uh, Stephen, of course, you know, Michigan State, and I know we talked a little, and you mentioned it really um, prior to the show, is I think Michigan State's everybody's curiosity you know, when it, team when it comes to the, this upcoming season. Of course, phenomenal year last year, finishing 11-2, uh, and two, I believe, in the top 10, of course, uh, winning the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl as well. You know, Mel Tucker's got this program really turned around I'm going to be honest with you, pretty quick from my own opinion. Of course, I'm not a, you know, I don't follow the Big Ten too well, but, you know, kind of recap 21 as, and what's the expectation like in East Lansing for Michigan State? Sure, sure. So 21, I mean, man, they can't, they couldn't have really been farther off the radar. Um, and, and, you know, really, I almost have to go back to 20 because uh, this is the thing that, that uh, even now, you know, folks don't really realize about Mel Tucker is he got hired on February um, 12th. Uh, 2020 mm-hmm. and think about what was going on on March 12th, 2020, you know, he, it's not like he got hired in December of 19 or right. January of 2020, where he had a couple weeks, a couple months to at least, you know, evaluate his roster or even shoot, you know, some people got to sign a couple you know, recruits that they recruited in December, you know, in terms of new staff. So he got there in February. Uh, he didn't have any of that. And then, you know, the world flipped on its head a month later. So 2020, it affected everybody, no doubt. The pandemic affected every college football team. I don't think it affected any program worse than Michigan State, though, because nobody else hired their coach that late. Um, and there's a whole lot that, that went into that deal. But I say that to say they didn't have any of the normal run-up to 2020 or to, to that season. 2021, you saw some of those benefits. They had their first spring ball as a staff together. Uh, they had their first winter workouts, you know, as a staff, as a, as a program. Yeah. Um, through summer, you know, summer was was fine, was connected and uninter- uninter- uninterrupted, unlike 2020. So that that was all part of it. Uh, a normal the return of normalcy, and you could see these coaches actually uh, doing what they're getting paid to do. You know, whether it's a strength coach, whether it's a head coach, whether it's a position coach, they actually got time with their players. That's part of it. The other part of it is they flipped over their roster in a big way. I think they had from 20 to 21, 
I believe they had 30, 28 to 30-ish players leave the program. Yeah. Uh, and they brought in 15 new scholarship transfers. So there's a major overhaul of personnel. And almost everybody that they brought in, you know, was just – just being blunt, you know, was it was a higher caliber player than than the guys that they were losing just about every time. So they came out on the right side of that equation, and, and they just had a better, they more had a more talented roster. Uh, they fixed their two deep from twenty to twenty one fairly quickly to where that top twenty two was pretty dang good, as we saw. They won eleven games, mm-hmm. but but the biggest thing is that in that transfer uh, influx and, and roster overhaul. They found a guy named Kenneth Walker from Wake Forest, and turns out he was one of the best players in the country. Who knew? Uh, and then they rode his back to 11 wins. But you know, you can there's there's subtext to all that, uh, and and those are sort of some of the main reasons that led to what that was. Oh, Kenneth Walker was just a special, special player that lifted them. That was not an 11 win team, guys. Like talent wise, uh, across the board, that just that wasn't a team you'd say they're going to go win 11 games and win a New York New Year's Six game. Yeah. No, they they outperformed their uh, abilities by far. They maximized that roster. But uh, that was not sort of an 11-win team. They, they got elevated by having a, a legitimate superstar. And the rest of the team was just pretty solid and had taken a step forward, as I said, with that, with that a little bit of that enhanced depth and uh, that, that more quality too deep. For sure. We all enjoyed watching Kenneth Skywalker last season. I mean, what it a, was, it what was a, a treat. talent um, of, a, of a player. And you could just tell. And, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head just from watching from an outsider's, you know, perspective that he really did elevate that team. He He's the kind of player that makes everybody better around him. And those are definitely the kind of guys that can really, really change the culture and the trajectory of a program program um for sure so yeah i mean and you talk you talk about culture sorry not to cut you off you talk about cultures they you know he came in as a transfer and they say that he was one of the biggest uh factors in sort of mm-hmm. implementing this new culture that really didn't get to be implemented in the 2020 season you know ask anybody about kenneth walker and they'll say he's the hardest working dude in that building from day one never took a rep off never loafed and, and it's, it's insane to think about like how good he was and like that he was putting in maximum effort apparently behind the scenes every single day and uh that's that's something that maybe um you know his impact will be remembered here for for a long time not just the stats and the games but like what he did behind the scenes uh left a mark uh, i know for sure you looking at kenneth walker of course i I'm a fan of his just by how he approaches himself and, of course, how he plays a game. What's the offense going to look like? Obviously, it's going to be a little notched down from last year, but any any difference what we're going to see from 21 to 22 without Kenneth Walker this year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I mean, he was such a big part of it. And here's the thing. They were incredibly balanced last year as an offense, um, and he allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there were 55-45 uh, run-to-pass percentages, and he allowed that to happen. I mean, they, the, the balance was their calling card, and even their passing game was all built off of him. You know, their play-action game was deadly. I want to say they scored on five flea flickers maybe six, you know, they ran, they ran them almost every week, which is just absurd, but it kept working because you had that guy back there and you hand him the ball. Everyone's going to freeze and flea flickers. All of a sudden they really start working uh, more often than you would think. I texted a a college coach at a different school after they had run it like three times. And I'm like, Hey, uh, just out of curiosity, how many times can you run a flea flicker in one season? He said, I used to think it was once. He's like, but apparently I'm being proven wrong. I was like, okay, I just wanted to check. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty good. And uh, but to, to actually answer your question, Mike, um, I think those roles are going to have to reverse. So Kenneth Walker was your strong hand last mm-hmm. year. He would get yeah. you out of trouble. Uh, he was your tone setter. He was everything. The passing game backed it up. That's going to have to reverse this year, I think. I think they're, they're, they're never going to go away from that balanced mentality. They're not just going to become, you know, Mike Leach, Texas Tech, and throw it 60 times a game. But the the strong hand, the dominant lead dog, has to be, I think, the passing game this year. Mm-hmm. And that's no given. You know, when you talk about this team, Peyton Thorne comes back as a second-year starting quarterback. He's got to take a step forward. He can't just be the same guy as last year because he, he was a good – he was a good quarterback alongside Kenneth Walker, but when Walker was not going off, there were some games and some moments where Thorne in the passing game didn't pick up the slack. Yeah. You know, and now that's obviously going to be the whole deal this entire season. So you look at Thorne coming back, you look at Jaden Reed, who's a I think a you know a potential All American candidate, All Big Ten guy for sure, for sure. Uh, as, his, as his top receiver. And they've got a plethora of other quality receivers. They got a really strong tight end group now. All the talent and experience sort of skews to the passing game. Yeah. To where I, that's where I get that idea of like if if they're
they're going to maximize this team again, the passing game has to be out front mm-hmm. as the flag bearer. The running game maybe has to be the co-pilot this time. Not that they're just going to abandon it completely. Don't get me wrong there. But the way that it was last year, the running game, passing game, I think those will be reversed this year if they're they're going to maximize who they are. I could definitely I, – I, I definitely had that feeling going into this season that it would kind of flip. And, um, you know, I was curious about the other – like the receiving core and if Peyton would be able to really – step up into that into more of the the guy to lead the team you know versus just kind of you know relying on the run game to set up the pass game um that's that's kind of my that was always my biggest question now i am also curious on the defensive side of the ball because you guys also had a very obviously it's mel tucker we know you're i mean we know he's gonna have good defenses right um just seems like you, you wonder if they can also keep that same trajectory on defense that they had last year going into this year as well. They want to, at least in the back end, they want to reverse the trajectory because they, they ended up, uh, they gave up way too many passing yards. And, you know, you got you guys know you can cut numbers any different kind of way to sort of make your point. But uh, they were 130 out of 130 in passing yards allowed per game. Now, again, you can, I think they faced wow. more passes, more passing attempts than almost anybody, maybe more than anybody. Yeah. They're like top five, I think, in passing attempts against them. So, you know, there's, again, you can cut it up and dice it up and look at it 10 different ways. But the fact is they still were too weak back there in, mm-hmm. in, in their past coverage. And a lot of it had to do with the secondary. A lot of it had to do with the linebackers um, in this system that just weren't really up to the task of playing their zone drops and being sticky the way they needed to be in the middle of the field. They were very vulnerable uh, when when opposing passing games were targeting their linebackers and finding spaces over the middle. They were That was sort of a weakness that really uh, – kind of just went along kind of quietly last year. But when you watch back and you talk to people now uh, and they're, they're out of the heat of the moment, they kind of go, yeah, our linebackers, uh, you know, really, really, really uh, weren't up to par, you know, last year at times. So that had a piece of it. Uh, their pass rush would run hot and cold. If you look again, you look at their numbers, they're like top 10 in sacks uh, total, um, total sacks on the year. But sack rate they were like middle of the pack nationally again because they faced a lot of passing attempts yeah that's kind of that's kind of crazy because i mean i remember the front obviously being better than the back half Mm -hmm. of the defense but i i would have i would have not have guessed that that was the way that it fell to be honest with you you know just watching i guess just watching the team as a whole that that's kind of that's why it's surprising because as a whole the team they really played as a unit like the whole team played as a unit and when it when a team does that it is it's kind of it's kind of crazy to actually go back and look at the the stats and numbers and see kind of where the cookie crumbled <laughs> right they're very opportunistic there's a good point they're very opportunistic you know at the end of this after 13 games maybe some of the numbers are a little ugly but they, they were a very opportunistic defense mm-hmm. uh resilient defense you know i mean you hear it on sundays all the time ben but don't break but like they personified mm-hmm. that for a long long time mm-hmm. and then later in the year like physically they did break like they got the injuries piled up in the in the secondary and and uh Ohio State just sort of, you know, off with their head. And then Purdue, they were a little they were a little dinged up and they lost that game. So um, that's what I was saying. You know, their top 22 was better. Their starting lineups could go out there and compete with a lot of folks. But once November came around last year and you had a couple bumps and bruises all across the board, offense, defense, special teams, that's where you saw the losses come. All, both their losses were in November. And look, Ohio State was going to beat them with their with, with blindfolds on. That, that didn't really matter. But the Purdue game, you know, they stumbled their toe there right after beating Michigan. Yes. Uh, the, the game before they were beat up in the secondary a little bit and just they didn't have the quality depth to uh to survive I think an entire season that way and so that's that's kind of what you saw but but to your point they were an opportunistic defense and and just came up with some plays when they needed to you know even if the the end of the day the final ledger maybe doesn't look that great yeah. in some areas uh they won them the Nebraska game with a late pick mm-hmm. in overtime um yeah the Indiana game Nope. Yeah, the, the sure Beach Bowl, did. they sealed it with a pick Thanks six. Thanks for you know? reminding me, Steven. I appreciate Oh, it. yeah, I forgot. You said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. Um, yeah, that, that one, one exactly. I'll return then because, gosh, I bet you're still having nightmares about oh, that Oh, my one. God. <laughs> Disgusting. I can't even think about I can't I can't even think about special teams without having like a PTSD anxiety attack. It was so I'm just so glad we have Bill Bush and I really truly believe that that piece of the puzzle 
is is definitely going to be fixed this year. And I, I don't I don't foresee it that causing us the heartache that it did last year because we lost a lot of games just oh. by stupid <laughs> Stupid heartbreakers. Stupid well, here's how I can tie it all in together, guys. Because, like Jamie, you're talking like, and I'm of that mindset that the pendulum has to swing back for Nebraska this year, right? Like they had too mm. many bad breaks, too much bad luck, too many close games that they lost. The pendulum has to. We've always watched enough college football, you know. It, it, it swings back, yeah. and that brings me back to Michigan State. They went four and zero in one possession games last year. I want to say five or six and oh in single digit games. Yeah. Um, as we all know, that swings back. And that's when I say they weren't really 11 wins good. Like they, they maximized themselves. They overachieved in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And and you to go four and oh in one score games just probably doesn't happen. And that, that factors into my prediction for this year. And it, it makes me think of Nebraska, you know, why I think they'll be better this year. That just doesn't happen in college football. You get, the breaks come back to you eventually, especially if they all go against you. It, it sort of <laughs> reverts back to the mean. And that's, I, I you know, unfortunately for Michigan State fans uh, that that read and watch me and everything, um, I, I think that's going to swing back on them this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about the secondary course to for Michigan State. And you guys picked up, which is, in my opinion, one a, a pretty solid uh, corner from Georgia, Mister Amir Speed. Um, I think he's what six two, six three, something like six, that. Three listed. Yeah. Um, very talented kid, of course. You know kind of given that stability in that secondary how is he going to mold into that secondary of course you know something that obviously was a pretty in my opinion maybe not maybe an upgrade for you guys in the secondary how is how is that going to be looking for mr speed this year yeah so when you when you finish dead last and passing yards allowed you gotta do something and so they went out and got a corner from yeah. from georgia who we all know plays great defense he started oh, three yes. games on that defense last year that won mm-hmm. the national title uh, people, some people were saying was maybe the best college defense ever. I mean, I don't really want to get into that, but a very good defense nonetheless. He Absolutely. started three games on there before he got hurt, and uh, then he was on special teams and everything. So proven player, uh, older player, you know, not a guy you've really mm-hmm. got to season up and everything. And Mel Tucker even knows him. He knew him from recruiting him out of high yep. school. Uh, I, was back in the day. Yeah. I, I was wondering if there was a there was a connection there. Yep. Yep. So when he was at Georgia and speed was coming out of Florida, he recruited him. I think he even coached him for one or two years mm-hmm. and then moved on and then blah, 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 and circle back. Here we are. Uh, yeah. The first thing, you know, his name's speed, but the first thing you hear about his size all the time, everybody says he's big, he's big, he's big, he's tall, he's big. You never see a corner this big. Uh, you know, he blasts out the sun and everything. And it's, you hear that enough. And I'm like, okay, I get that part. I think he's pretty big, but can he play football? Can he play mm-hmm. corner? Can he flip his hips? You know, so, but, uh, I have to believe he can because he uh, pretty much has been taking first team reps since he got here. So, uh, and I do think, you know, those physical, uh, those measurables are an advantage. You don't see corners like that. So, you know, maybe he doesn't have to be uh, the best technician necessarily or the, the, doesn't have to have the scheme down front to back, but he could just, just bully you at the line maybe. And that maybe that's enough to, to be his edge. Um, Of course, you know, there's more to that, but they needed help there. It looks like he's going to be help. Uh, I do project him to start. And I think they, you know, as bad as some of the numbers were last year, I do think some of their corner personnel is pretty intriguing. Uh, some of their younger guys that they have coming up in the way. So uh, it's going to be all eyes are going to be on that back end, uh, you know, right away. I know that because that was that was the number one weakness on that side of the ball by far last year. I know real quick, I'm not going to touch much on them um, because I want to keep this strictly Michigan State. But, you know, Nebraska was brought up. And I know this is probably like the third or fourth time I'm going to ask this question. So I'm just sure Jamie's going to roll her eyes. Uh, but if Scott Frost has another poor season um, at Nebraska, could this be the final year of the Scott Frost uh, experience in Lincoln? Well, I, mean, I don't feel super qualified to, to answer that just because I don't know, you know, the temperature. Necessary. Right, exactly. But um, from my from my vantage point, yes. I mean, anything less than a bowl game and he's gone. I mean, it seems like he was teetering on the edge this mm-hmm. year and very well could have been gone. So I did think for the record that I thought it was smart that they brought him back. We talked about that pendulum. I mean, how close they were. You, mm-hmm. I didn't think it would have been smart to burn it to the ground and bring somebody else in and start from scratch play it out again. I know he's sort of dangling in the wind and he's got a new OC and everything. And, and, and we'll see how that works out. Um, I didn't, I thought it was a right move to bring him back. I think that pendulum will swing back. I think they got enough talent. Um, I still think he's a solid enough coach. Uh, so, but yeah, if they, if there's, if they're not even in a bowl game, if they're sub 500, then he won't oh, make yeah, it at the end fine. of the season. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah I can see that. No, this kind of curious kind of from an outside, of course, you know, definitely I, you know, 
just kind of curious. Uh, but uh, of course, you know, speaking with you know, keeping that, but going back to Michigan State, you know, is could this be a year? I know, you know, you know, you never know what may happen. Could the Spartans actually be a factor in the Big Ten East this year and maybe get the chance to be in the Big Ten championship? They could. They could. Um, I'm not predicting that, but it's, I'm not ruling it out as an impossibility. You know, look, nobody saw last year coming. They were picked mm-hmm. dead last in the East mm-hmm. in the preseason media poll. Uh, Vegas had an over under for, I think, four and a half wins. Maybe it was three and a half even. Yeah, I think it was four and a, yeah, it was very, very low. <laughs> um, so they came out of no. Nobody expected that. Uh, and so that I, I preface, I'd say, if I say something that sounds ridiculous in six months today, uh, you know, okay, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> it's college football. Like, I exactly. Mean, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they it's could though, right like, like they, they've gone through the, they've done another off season sort of turnover, uh, another 20 or so kids. I want to say, I don't have the exact number in, in front of me, but about 20 kids left the program again between the end of the regular season after the bowl game and after spring ball, we're talking about like 20 some departures from that from between those three periods. And they brought in eight new transfers this year. Mm-hmm. And whereas, whereas a year ago, those 15, of course you had Kenneth Walker up here. You had a couple starters and, and contributor guys here. And then about half that 15 was like stock uh, stock and stash guys that you're not even counting on right away this year with their eight transfers, almost all of them will start or, or will definitely be high level contributors off the bench, high snap guys off the bench. Um, so it's more targeted, I think uh, that way. And so I say all that to say, I think they're, they're, they're a more talented, deeper roster this year. You know, I've mentioned a few times their top 22 was pretty good last year, but they didn't have championship depth to compete in November. Now they're closer to that. Um, I think player one to player 100, this is a better collection of football players. It's, there's more talent on the field out there, but I don't think they're going to win 11 games. And I don't think there's a superstar like Kenneth Walker, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. You know, top to bottom, there is more quality in there. Maybe not the high-end superstardom, but there's more quality from 1 to 100, I think. And yet they have a harder schedule. Wisconsin comes in this year as a crossover. They mm-hmm. got to go out to Washington, which really, you know, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but a lot of people around here are nervous about Minnesota comes in over as a crossover game. That's a tough one this year. So, and of course, I got to say it one more time, that pendulum, you know, of the close games, I think it'll yeah. swing back on them. So I don't see them winning as many games this year, even though I do think they have a better football team, if that makes any sense. <laughs> It does. It definitely does. You know, like I think we've we've all kind of, you know, brushed on it, but you you had that guy that elevated that team, Um, you know, and sometimes that's a great sometimes that's a great thing. And it works out, you know, in Michigan State's favor. And then but also there's something to be said for a more complete roster as well Mm -hmm. that can also, you know, flip the flip the script versus just having that one guy that elevates a team. So I'll be I'll be interested to watch Michigan State. I, I think that they're the team that's most intriguing that mm-hmm. I really just don't I just really don't have a feel for. You know, like all the other teams I feel like I have a really good feel for what's going on and what it what they have coming back and you know how they're gonna look and what to expect. But I just I don't have that with Michigan State. And it's probably because, you know, Mel Tucker hasn't been there for a long time, you know, and they're just kind of finding their identity and getting their groove. And um, whereas, you know, a lot of the coaches in the big 10 have been there forever. So you you really know what to, you really do know what to kind of expect year in and year out, what kind of teams they're going to feel. So, I mean, I'll be interesting. I mean, I would, I would, I would love to see Michigan state eventually, you know, my Ohio state friends are going to hate me for this. I, I mean, I'd love to see them eventually, you know, knock them off and, and get somebody else into the, into the championship in the East. I mean, it was nice having Michigan there last year, honestly, because, you know, it wasn't Ohio state, you know, like, I mean, it's nice. To, it was nice to have Michigan and Iowa, even though I hate Iowa, mm-hmm. but, but it was nice to have <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I mean, everybody knows I hate Iowa, so it's not a surprise to anybody. Sure. No, I, I, to, to Mike's point, I, I realized I didn't even answer. I do, I do think they could end up as a dark horse contender if everything breaks right. I'm not predicting that. But right. if all these transfers work out and there's some guys that are better than we expect and some guys make some development, they could be, you know, much like last year, they could come out of nowhere and be a dark horse. Um, everything just uh, sort of wrapping up, like everything hinges on the offensive line to me in terms of Michigan State ceiling. Uh it's another situation where their starters, I think, could be fine, could be average, could be middle of the pack Big Ten, kind of like last year. 
Um, the depth is almost non-existent behind them, though. So one injury, two injuries, or if just these guys just if they're just not as good as as I think they can be. Um, the entire, you know, then then that's when we're talking about six, seven wins, eight wins, maybe as opposed to the nine, ten, eleven type of range. So the offensive line will determine the ceiling of this group, and uh, there's some real questions up front there. But I think if they can be decent, then they've got enough pieces there. I expect the defense to be better. Then, then yeah, I could if that line comes together, I could see them being a dark horse. You sound like me with Nebraska. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect of our offensive line. I mean, I'd like to think it can't be worse than it was last year, but I mean, we all know when that when people say that, it just it gets worse. So, the, yeah, it's a scary a position. Lot, a lot, a lot of success depends on our offensive line this year, because I mean, really, realistically, the talent level everywhere else is they should they should be winning eight nine games realistically mm-hmm. you know it's just you just don't I just don't know what to get I don't know what's going to happen with our offensive line and I won't know until we with you know they actually play a game against Northwestern <laughs> right exact same story the rest of the skill mm-hmm. positions I think are fairly loaded or yeah. at least to be a high level competent Big Ten offense it, but if that line's not up to par then a lot's gonna come crumbling down I think mm-hmm. sadly for them one thing I like that Mel Tucker's utilizing which you're, I still think, you know, I know Lincoln Riley uses it quite a bit. Obviously, this year, well, he had to really this year. But one thing I like uh, that Mel Tucker's doing that a lot of people still are still questioning whether it's good for the sport or not is he's really, and I love it, he's really actually really aggressive with the aggressively approaching the transfer portal. And I like that because you're bringing in, literally you're bringing your own guys, so to speak, that is going to help that foundation, of course, in East Lansing. And, and uh, where I'm leading to this is, is this for some of these programs that maybe wasn't, I shouldn't say not much successful, but had, you know, average year, so to speak, year in and year out, you know, is this, is this going to be more, more of a, probably more of a bigger thing than actually high school recruiting at this point from your standpoint when it comes to Michigan State? I don't think so. Um, I know, look, like that's the, the perception on the outside is right. like that they're a huge transfer portal team. And like they have brought in some pretty big numbers. Mm-hmm. But like I said, of last year, of those 15, you had Kenneth Walker, who's a national superstar, you know, cover of the magazine guy. And I bet nobody else outside, you know, a, a non-Michigan State fans would struggle to name like two other transfers of those 15. But yet they're still labeled this portal program and this and that. So it's it's. I don't think perception is is is, is exactly a reality in this case. Mm-hmm. Mel Tucker will tell you he's been asked this a hundred times, uh, <laughs> and you know word for word he will say, um, you know, our we're, the the foundation of our program is going to be high school recruiting. Uh, that's like he always ties it to the NFL. He says that's the draft. That's how you build your team, build your franchise. The portal's free agency. That's how you supplement. Ooh. That's how you patch holes. Uh, we got a, you know, receiver had a blew up, had a junior year we didn't expect. He's off to the NFL. Okay, we need a guy real quick. Who's out there? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, offensive lineman blows out his knee in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, you know, better have an experienced left tackle in here. Let's go see what the portal's got. So it's never uh, going to be the first aisle that he shops down, but he also knows, and this is something else that he'll sell you uh, anytime you ask him, is that it allows you to not reach in high school recruiting, mm-hmm. okay? So that three-star that I'm iffy on, He's maybe an inch short for me, but eh, I kind of like him. I kind of don't some days. You don't have to go get, you don't have to go sign that guy anymore. And then three years later, you're like, man, why did I recruit that guy? I need that scholarship for another corner or something over, you know, that's what he always says is it allows you to not uh, have to reach in the high school level. Whereas you can maybe address a quicker need, get a more proven guy. And we've seen obviously the benefits in some cases where guys just bigger, you know, and more mature. They've played some college football. They've been through the grind of training camp. And in some cases, that's just a heck of a benefit, you know, to bring right in as a plug and play situation, as opposed to even going to get the five-star number one linebacker in the country out of high school, you know, Um, you can maybe do a little more with, with the older guy who's coming from uh, UNLV, you know? So uh, that's his philosophy. And I think it'll, the way they're recruiting, I believe it, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not just trying to parrot his words um, word for word, but the way they're recruiting, I believe it. He's recruiting at a level that Michigan State really hasn't seen consistently at all in the internet, 24-7, rivals, rankings era. Um, so he's he's going to bring in a higher level of caliber than Michigan State's used to, and I think that it, that truly will be the bedrock of where this thing goes. But he's no dummy. He's always going to have an eye on the portal. And and when you get a Kenneth Walker out of there, I mean, it probably inspires you to, to keep looking and see what type of gems might be out there. So 
it'll always be a part of it. And I think everybody's still figuring it out to a degree, but um, he's always been very, very clear that it's only supplementary. It's not really the the main focus of, of how they acquire talent. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I did not hear that until now. I, I, uh, I like that from Will Tucker. That's an excellent way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah, yeah. He like always that. said, yeah, it's free agency for the portal, and, and he has recruiting department people just assigned to the portal uh, that just sit in there every half hour or so, refresh, 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 and uh, just see who's in there. They're, it's their job to know mm-hmm. who's in the portal, when do you get in there, what's the story, you know, do we need to get on him? Um, and, and he likens that to an NFL scouting department where you have the pro scouts yep. who scout the other 31 teams, and then you have the college scouts who obviously get you ready for the draft. So, um, you know, his NFL, uh, his decade in the NFL, you know, um, shows through quite a bit, you know, and what he's got going here. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent way to look at it. Yeah, it really is. It puts me, put, I, won't, I won't lie, it actually puts my perspective towards the transfer portal a little bit more different now. I like that. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's look, is it good for the sport? Like when, when fans don't know right. who's on the roster every year and wait, number five, I thought that was Joe Smith. Now it's yeah. uh, Tom Johnson. Like what, you know, what, uh, what's that? <laughs> exactly. So, and, and you know, does that plaque factor in with, and look guys, this could be a whole nother podcast, but the big 10 expansion and conference realignment, do yep. all these things slowly erode the fan interest that got all of us loving this to begin with, you know, will it pass down to another generation? If it's so different, the way we're trending and just, I don't know, there's, there's things to consider, but, uh, you know, in this early sort of a gold rush day of the portal, you know, um, Mel Tucker's going to take any inch he can to get better. And, uh, he's proven that you can, you can use it to get better. So that's how he approaches it. Now, if somebody can just change my mind about the NIL, I actually may be on board with both of these programs. <laughs> what's what, uh, I don't know if I want to open this can, but uh, what's what's the NIL stance that is, needs to be changed? I can I can see where. So I have a play. I know someone. He played ball at uh, Kentucky Christian University. It's a very small NAIA school in uh, in uh, Grayson, Kentucky, where I started my college ball at way back in the day no uh 07 um but uh and so he just uh quote unquote transferred from kcu to cincinnati university of cincinnati with coach fickle i'm gonna go beyond i'm gonna go watch him up in here in tulsa i think it's the 17th or something in october i don't know but anyway point of the story is the nil so i get some of the standpoints when it comes to it helps the players especially some of them that maybe came back came up from maybe not so much of a um, good financial situation at the house. So I get that part, but I also get the, the same standpoint. I guess how I'm still leaning on is a lot of people would say, still say the same as well as let's just say three years. Cause a lot of them don't stay the whole four, but let's just say three to four years, you got your room and board paid for, you know, every, literally everything's paid for what, why, I mean, why do you need more type of thing? So I don't know. I see both sides of the standpoint. I'm kind of like, <laughs> Well, I see that, though, too, because, you know, you are getting a quote-unquote free education. But at the same time, I, I don't want a college kid to come up and literally have to work a job and then do school and then do practice and then do who knows what else to try to make at least somewhat of a loon during his college days as well, too. So I see both, but I'm just still on the fence of how I should really – what's the best route for me to really approach this NIL? <laughs> I got you. Like, and that's yeah. that's a whole other podcast that we can oh, get absolutely. into it. But absolutely. it's the, just two quick things. You know, the the first would just be players these days. It's 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 a it is a job. college football mm-hmm. is a job. You can't go bag groceries after practice or before practice, exactly. and then hustle over to the facility and change into your gear real quick and go out and meet the boys on the field. Like you're at football all day, and and like school even is an afterthought. You know, it just mm-hmm. there's no time for them to make any money to support themselves on their on the side. So that's that's just one of many reasons i support it and then the other one i'd say mike is uh just today google a uh, big 10 media contract and look at some of those numbers and dollar signs and tell oh, me that i these saw that that, that, <laughs> that are the product oh, they are the yes. that you turn on the tv to see yep. tell me that they shouldn't get something i mean that's you see that's yeah, my point too exactly absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. i look yeah. at it as uh, you know i don't think that here's this is my issue with nil i 100 think that they should be able to capitalize off their likeness like 110 percent. you should be able to to capitalize off your own name and what you what you accomplish on the football field i have an issue with like just paying 
players to come in to play football for you. Like just, mm-hmm. to, I mean, you know, like just like these outrageous numbers that you've heard, you know, mm-hmm. 50,000, 100,000, you know, there's a lot of rumors around Texas A&M and what they've paid those DNs to come in and play for their school. That's where I have an issue. Like I don't, that's not what NIL was intended for. And, and that's where, you know, it kind of, it just puts a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth to where I think you're losing the amateur side of college football. Again, 100%, you should be able to capitalize off your Jersey sales and using your name and all of that, all of that stuff. Um, I just don't think that you should get 50 grand just to come play at the school. (laughs) You should have the same opportunities that, that Joe chemistry major has, right? Mm -hmm. Like every few years we'd see these stories of like, somebody has a YouTube channel who was making like five grand a month or something like, you know, decent little money, not changing his light, you know, but, but making decent little money. He's a punter at Arizona state or whatever. He, he does karaoke videos or whatever. And he, he was getting suspended by the NCAA or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they right. made him shut it down. There's always stuff like that. And right. it's like, man, if I'm just a anatomy major, he can do that. So why can't I as a receiver, you know? So yeah, uh, that's part of it. But I, I'm with you though, in terms of the rollout and the lack of regulation and just yes. the wild, wild west era of it in recruiting. Cause that was the whole deal is it was, don't do it in recruiting, but it was like, don't put it, there was no, there's no enforcement. You know, it's like no. uh, you put the toothpaste out of the tube and just hoped everybody would would play by the honor code or something. <laughs> and very quickly, we're, we're one, what, 14, 15 months into this. And uh, it was a race to the bottom like that. You know, I mean, it, be- it became a recruiting thing immediately, even though it wasn't supposed to be. So I don't know how you get your hands around it, but I understand your sentiment. Like, it's not supposed to be this pay for play thing necessarily. And and I do think maybe there will be some market correction, though, on its own. After I'm sad to say it, but after maybe one of these million dollar quarterbacks busts or just the wrong booster writes the big, you know, writes a check for a tackle who doesn't pan out or whatever. Once enough of those, you know, um, the opposite of success stories come out. Yeah. I do think the, the money people might tighten up a little bit and go, wait a second. I'm fine with paying the uh, freshman All-American but I'm not fine with paying the five-star who hasn't done anything yet, you know? Yeah, Quinn, I, I do Quinn think yours. we might see a, a natural shift to more of, like, proven uh, athletes getting these deals, you know, production-based NIL stuff versus just here's a deal to get you on campus and now we hope you produce type of things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I hope Ohio State learned their lesson with the whole Quinn Ewers thing, you know? This is like I said, it's a wild, wild west. So it's just people don't even know what the rules are. So are there any rules? And well, I might as well try this anyway and see what happens. You know, there's it's an we're I don't think we're going to be out of that weird cycle for a few years of people just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what they can get away with, honestly, in this space. Um, And maybe eventually, again, either the market corrects itself or some some stricter guidelines come into play. But I mean, we all know, guys, top talent's been getting paid to go to different colleges since the beginning. So you're never going to fully stop every element of that. Um, But, yeah, like I talked about the conference expansion with the portal, guys changing teams every year, guys getting paid huge money just to show up. These things, I mean, all at once, you know. Maybe if we if these were all a decade apart, we could have, we could have digested them and absorbed them and move forward. But as a, I love college football, guys, I love it. Oh, it's yeah. my job. I freaking I love it. We all do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I know. But and it's it's. And I'm worried that the the confluence of some of these factors all coming together here, man. I worry about the erosion of that yes. interest, you know, that, that made us all love it to begin with. So that's kind of where I'm not to, not to end it on a bummer note or anything, but that's, that's where the conversation kind of took us. No, but it, I mean, it, yep. it's 110% correct. And, you know, the other flip side of it is now you've got people, you know, kind of getting away from the NCAA and it mm-hmm. sounds like we're leaning more towards a college football commissioner, you know, type days. And then, it, you know, what point does it stop? I mean, right. at, what, at what point does somebody say, and maybe we need a college football commissioner. Maybe we need that person to come in and be like, okay, we get all the conference representatives together. There, There is technically one guy who's the commissioner, you know, but we've got this board of regents or whatnot. And some of these regulations get, get stamped out. So it's a more level playing field for the whole of college football, which hopefully keeps the values of what we have grown up with and known and love and and are so passionate about keeps the you know that that kind of air of nostalgic you know still within the within the game tradition 
Yeah, it is, you know, the NFL is a great product. They're a great league. They, they're great at what they do. But the reason that we love college football is the differences from the NFL. Yes. You know, for, the, for most, I don't want to speak, I guess, necessarily for you guys, but I know most people I know, it's the differences uh, you know, yes. and the different contours of college football that, that make it so just just amazing why why folks are diehards for Saturdays the way some folks are diehards for Sundays. And you, just, you don't need to turn it into the NFL is, is all I'm saying. Yes. Uh, we've got a very, very good thing going here. Uh, I understand change is inevitable and it's never going to go back to the way it was when I was a kid or you guys were kids. But, um, man, I just I just hope we can keep this all together and, and something that's at least semi recognizable. Right. Yes. I'll stick to what I said as we wrap up the show. I'll stick what I said, I think, on somebody's podcast is it won't be anytime soon, but I still personally believe college football will be at least the money making that the NFL is at eventually. I don't think it's going to be within the next five years, but it could be. But I think the brand's really starting to kick off. And, uh, you know, I love if, you know, I'm a big Denver fan, but uh, Bronco fan. But, uh, <clears throat> no, if I had to pick college football would be my first first option compared to pros. So. Sure, sure. And it's, just, you know, it's that increasing separation between Oklahoma and Tulsa. You know, I think you mentioned mm-hmm. Tulsa or just yep. Michigan State and Western Michigan. You know, they've never been close, of course. They've never been peers, no. but they're growing further apart every single day. And if you really get to this little select, you know, uh, old boys club of 30 teams, you know, is yeah. that really college football that we love? And, no. uh, I don't, you know, again, that's a whole other podcast, but, uh, you know. These things concern me, and yet, you know, here I am, jazzed up that uh, we're, you know, a couple weeks away from. Yeah, nine days away, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So get me in a stadium and all those concerns. And I, I don't even know what that means. Transfer me out of here. Let's go. Ball off, and I'm locked in. You know, so as much as I've uh, griped about, you know, existential things, man, just just get the band out there, get some people in the stands, and and I'm ready to go. That's what we do in preseason, though. (laughs) What else are we supposed to do? These are the things we're supposed to do in preseason because once it's season starts then we're in the thick of it and we can mm-hmm. really focus on you know the games and the players and you know that the meat of the of the the sport that we love so yeah, yeah. it's it's existential crises and crises and uh just worrying about players that you'll never see on the field you know and that's every fan that that talks to me these days oh yes. but is, is our backup punter any good is our <laughs> is our fifth tight end gonna be ready to go mm-hmm. i'm like yo <laughs> Take a breath. It's almost here. Just calm down. You need to, you need to log out for a little bit, buddy. <laughs> I know. Go find another. Uh, go find a different hobby. <laughs> right, right. Just I appreciate a- the passion, but sometimes you get a, you get to a point of training camp where uh, you can go. You can get lost in the weeds mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Well, Stephen, final question for you is this the big one, the million dollar question, you know, obviously looking over the 2022 schedule and uh, what's your what's your prediction on this year's Spartans and, and Mel Tucker? I got him at eight and four. And I the big one of the I got to say, one of the biggest factors for me is just, you know, even if it doesn't make sense necessarily, just it, that, that pendulum effect mm-hmm. of them winning so many close games last year. They're just there's no way they're going to be able to do that again. Um, so I think. Minnesota coming in on the schedule, that's a toss-up game. I have them losing at home uh, mm-hmm. that, that they probably wouldn't have lost last year, you know, and Wisconsin comes on this year. I think they lose that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have losses to Ohio State as a guaranteed loss. You no, know, they're, they're not in their league. And then I'm, I have them going on the road and losing to Michigan, too. That'll be Mel Tucker's first loss to Michigan. Yeah. So uh, I just – I really like what Michigan brings back this year. I know Michigan State fans are going to hate me for that, but I think Michigan's got a really good team coming back uh, again this year. So 8-4 and four is what I got them. And, uh, you know, in a vacuum of year three of a staff, that's good. But when you mm-hmm. when you go 2-11 to 11 to 8, <laughs> it feels a little weirder. But uh, that's progress. It, it's still going to be progress as long as they continue to recruit the way that they are off the field. And I think that will allow them to do that by, by going 8 and for so that's where i'm at for now sounds good that i mean that seems like a, i kind of that's kind of where i was you know yeah, predicting yeah. them to be at as well um you know you again you could win a neat, one of those toss-up games you know yeah. minnesota wisconsin or they could both go your way or they could not both go your way so it's hard to say you know week in and week out of the big 10 is it's a, it's a grind and there's a lot of games with a lot of teams that can swing one way or the other really quick and you just don't you just don't really know especially going into the season where you haven't seen anybody. <laughs> right, right. And everything could break, right? And maybe they go 11-1, and one, you know, and just lose yeah. to Ohio State, and then, and then they're back in that position. But big picture to me this season, just they just have to win enough. I don't realistically think they're going to win a title but of any kind, Big Ten or, any, or beyond. But 
they just have to win enough to keep this momentum going. That mm-hmm. was generated last year. That's yes. followed up with the 22 recruiting class. That's followed up with this summer's 23 recruiting class. They just have to win enough to keep this train rolling. Nobody really thinks this is a title team, but just don't fall on your face and embarrass the program You know, to where yes. these five stars that are now calling you back stop calling you back. Um, they just have to sustain, I think, and then – they'll really be off and running once they can get a couple of these classes uh, brought into campus the way that they're recruiting right now. Yep. Yep. And I mean, Hey, the good thing is, is you've got Mel Tucker locked up for a while. So that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I said it at the time. It's that number <laughs> pumped up, popped off the screen and everybody's, you know, everybody went, Whoa, with the 95 million. But yeah. I said at the time, wait two years, it's going to look like a bargain. I bet uh-huh. sure enough, mm-hmm. we're starting to see that already. Everybody's now making 10, 11, 12 million a year. So, yep. um, Man, I, I guess I got in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all just, like, why are we why are we sitting yep. on podcast analyzing all this stuff? Yep. <laughs> Man. At least been an agent got a cut, you know. I don't even have to be the coach. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I would have been a great agent. Right. <laughs> well, Stephen, we appreciate your time talking everything Michigan State football. And I'm actually looking forward to what your season what your guys' season looks like. Um but uh, you're welcome back. Of course, once the season, we may have to catch up back up and kind of get a hopefully things are going your way, if not better. And uh, hopefully we'll see uh, another great year for the Spartans. Hey, I appreciate you guys inviting me on. This was a blast. I'm happy to come back whenever. So you know how to reach me. You got it. Right, sounds good. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Right, You've been listening to the Air Attack podcast. Listen to all major podcast platforms. That was a wonderful show. Stephen Brooks of the 24 7 Sports. Um, network covering the uh, beat writer for Michigan State. Jamie, your final thoughts on Michigan State? I think he's right on the eight and four. I, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm I don't see a seventh win. I don't see a fifth loss. I think he's about close to probably what I would have nailed it. I would I would agree with you. Like I said, I think Minnesota and Wisconsin could swing either way. So you could end up nine and three. You could end up seven and five. But they're they're going to be right. I think they're probably right in that eight and four range. And um, you know, again, like you said, it's it's just all about. I think for Michigan State, the most important thing right now is just increasing that trajectory and staying on the right path. You know, moving forward, um, and you know, continuing on into Big Ten expansion and. You know, that'll that'll help them if they can just stay on that track. It's only going to help them moving forward. So, Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Great guy and uh, great. A lot of info. I kind of want to pick his brain more on the uh, expansion, but maybe we'll get that in a later time. Yeah, absolutely. It would be interesting to, to hear to hear his thoughts on on that whole thing. So let's. I mean, it is what it is at this point. I think, again, I think you're just you're looking at a college football commissioner and and that's the only way that we're going to be able to really sustain the the true traditions and nostalgia of college football. Oh, by far, I think this is just beginning, excuse me, of a different, uh, different college football world that we live in. And uh, I think if people don't like it, unfortunately, you may just have to quit watching college football because the change is still going to happen. And I think you're going to see more changes here in the next. Well, we guarantee no you Texas here next year or two. And of course, uh, USC, UCLA. So if you don't like the changes, if you love college football, but don't like the changes, I just don't know what to tell you. You're just going to have to gonna have to roll with the the times man (laughs) time to catch up (laughs) i'm getting close to 40 but time to catch up don't resist the change embrace the change that's what i always that's what i always tell people it's just easier it's just really easier in life sometimes to embrace and unless it's obviously a nefarious type of change obviously right. you don't want to do that but you know things that aren't going to cause anyone harm or anything like that it's just better to embrace it and try to really live and see the positives and those changes and, and just move forward you know sometimes resisting change can just lead to just too much stress and heartache and it's not worth it's not worth it at the end of the day no i'm with you Stephen brooks ladies and gentlemen 24 7 sports Michigan State beat writer, and uh, we are still in the works of Texas's beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We are waiting for the uh, deadline or the date and time on that one. That one, Jamie, I have to be nice. Never, I have to be nice show. too, Mike. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to ha- I don't, and I'm not disrespecting her. I don't I hope if she does listen. This is no disrespect to her at all. Being the OU fan for sure, 
I, I don't want my computer to burn. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. I it, have to be nice. Do I wear my Beat Texas hat or no? Oh, no. I, 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 don't, I don't think we do that. I think, I think we have to at least, you know, we have to remember that they are fans of their program, too. Exactly. And they're passionate, just like we are, about our programs. And, um, you know, one of the great things about, I think one of the really great things that I learned, especially, you know, doing a lot of spaces that I did last season, which I'd like oh, to, yeah. you know, you learned that you're not that much different from, from Texas fans, Miami fans, no. Colorado. No. I mean, like you can name any, any fan group, you know, you're not that much different. You're all just very passionate about your, your team. And, you know, I think if you look at it from a knowledge base, I'm all, I always want to learn as much as I can about other teams mm-hmm. and about, you know, how, how they approach their season and um and, and they're the experts you know i'm not an expert on texas and i don't oh no <laughs> you know and it's 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 nice to you know especially with steven and you know last last night you know you got alabama fans we had georgia fans mm-hmm. um, it's just nice to hear from their own from their own fans and you know writers what they think of their team you know because we come at it from a biased opinion obviously like well of course absolutely so i think i think i approach things that way and and that helps you know as long as they don't as long as they don't attack as long as nobody attacks be respectful exactly yeah then i i don't have a problem with them you know it's the idiots online sometimes where they just want to start stuff and i'm like okay you're not even you're not even trying to formulate an actual like coherent opinion you're just being a jerk Mm -hmm. i don't have to i'm not gonna listen to you or i'm gonna be a jerk right back and you're not you're probably not gonna like it (laughs) i mean i can tell people look i am usually a very very nice like realistic person but there are certain buttons you can push where i call her evil jamie comes out because i am a gemini so i'm i am a twin i have a good side and i am an evil side i don't let evil jamie out very much but when she comes out you better watch out and I can't, I can't help you with that because she's on a whole other level. <laughs> but again, that's only certain. That's only certain times that button get, gets hit. There are very few things that push that button for me. So I think that's, I think that's everybody though. I'm sure, maybe not. You never know. No, some people are just jerks, and they just want to be. They just want to be that way. They just want to be grumpy old people and not listen to other people's views and opinions, and you know except that that's their view and their opinion they're not saying that it's fact or or anything or you know they're not attacking you as if they're not attacking you as a human being <laughs> so no it's gonna be no i'm looking forward to having her come on no and it is like that's why i was telling steven and then i know we're kind of just rambling but enjoy that last few minutes people um but uh that's what i was telling steven like hey i don't know anything about michigan state i couldn't tell you who the starting quarterback even was and but and that's perfectly fine because guess what this dude now i know more about mel tucker and everybody else than compared to what i did entering the show about 50 something minutes ago so mm-hmm. that's what's great about it that's what's that's what's great about and that's what's great about podcasts and having you know i think i think what really makes good good podcasts and good spaces and things like that is, is having different people on and having, you know, different people from different, you know, fan bases, because, you know, you and I can sit here and talk about Oklahoma and Nebraska and I can talk about LSU and all that, you know, but it's nice to hear from somebody else who actually is immersed in their team and in their culture. And I'm hopefully the fans, you know, enjoy it as well. Our listeners enjoy it. And, you know, we bring something that they didn't know to the table, you know, just like you saying, I I didn't really know that much about Michigan state going into this season. And it was, it was awesome. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I love about college football. I just, I like to know things. Which As Brian would say, I drink and I know things. I don't drink though, so maybe I just eat. Maybe I eat and I know things. I don't know. <laughs> what? Do, what? Do you, obviously, non-alcoholic. What do you like to drink? Um, I do like wine. I mean, I oh, actually do. Like, I do identify with Tyrion in that aspect. For those of you who don't know, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> Somebody's like, what? What is she talking about? I know people are probably like, what the hell. 
Okay, most people should know Game of Thrones. So anyway, I do like to drink drink wine. Um, And then, I mean, other than that, like, I'm pretty boring. I drink water. I do like the occasional Pepsi. Um, But, but yeah, I I, I would say I drink wine and then I'll drink. Every once in a while, I'll have a Moscow Mule. Those are probably my two alcoholic drinks that I go. Those are my go-tos. Yeah. (laughs) For those of you, I'm sure. Oh, I love coffee. Which I could oh. do a whole podcast about coffee. So oh, I can't do. This. I won't. I won't even go there. <laughs> the CEO of Starbucks is joining the Airy <laughs> Speaking of beer, I'm trying not to get this uh, company's uh, name in there. Um, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm actually going to try to find the sports. Not to give a hint to everybody because it may not work anyway. I may try to find a beat writer for uh, like UConn or some of these really teams that nobody. <laughs> That's do you remember? So- okay, but speaking of UConn, do you remember how terrible they were? Like, it was oh, so bad. No. Somebody, somebody was like, "Why would we watch UConn play whoever it was when we could?" Was- do you remember that? Do you remember when that happened? We're, yeah. We're, why is who were they? Who were they playing? I don't know. I don't remember. But they were both equally awful. <laughs> it was. It's going to be a battle of who was the most awful team in college football. UConn. I don't. I don't remember. I'm not going to Google it because that's definitely not worth. No, it's definitely but, not Google. But y- yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, I kind of semi watched a little bit just to kind of see because it has been a MAC team because nobody was it really there. Yeah, no, it was it was a terrible football game, and there was some other game on at that time where we were like, "Why are we watching this game?" I'm trying to figure out why they. I think ESPN. I was trying to figure out why they or CBS Sports Network. I was trying to figure out why um, why they even uh, aired it, but whatever. Oh, apparently, apparently, so breaking news, guys. Scott Frost just officially named Casey Thompson as a starter for for the season. Casey, if you're listening to this, quit liking my tweets and get on the show. Yeah, Casey, come on the show. Come on with come on. Trey. You and Trey, come on the show and have a good time. I really <laughs> thought Casey was going to go for OU, but that's fine. No, I was I was actually kind of surprised. But, you know, I kind of I kind of get why he didn't, too. You know, you got to think about, you know, following in your dad's footsteps. It's oh, like absolutely. Great program, you know, that that in and of itself would be would be difficult to do so i kind of understand why he would want to kind of make his own way i was shocked that he went to texas honestly initially that was that was well yeah because you know he was a heck of a quarterback at westmore high school which is about 20 it's not far from norman about 20 minutes from me probably about 15 if you take the highway but westmore and he was a phenomenal quarterback and um i think that's what a lot of people kind of were upset like why would he go to tech it's like he has to go to his best opportunity i mean come on guys yeah well i mean because at the time he was you know i mean look at the look at the guys that oh you had coming in at the time oh absolutely too i mean you gotta you can't can't really say like you know he should have gone to oklahoma because i mean really exactly like you said he's gonna take the best opportunity you know he had been backing up yeah maybe some of that depended on you know what happened with you know, with Dylan Gabriel too. I mean, you know, you never know behind the scenes with recruiting Gabriel to OU. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's more to that that piece of the puzzle too. You just never, you just never know with recruiting. Well, no, I like recruiting, but I'm I'm kind of what Brett Rimble says: don't commit unless you're committed. I, I like that, and uh, yeah. But anyway, now nonetheless, um, Stephen Brooks, twenty four seven Sports, Michigan State beat writer, joining the air raid talking everything Michigan State and uh he's predicting eight and four so we'll have to I'll have to tweet him back out once uh he gets that ninth win and be like hey you got nine wins make it more no you were wrong Sally <laughs> <laughs> somebody's probably gonna listen to this and if they really do and no I know, I know people do um I know when they do listen be like I'm gonna keep that as a clip and then literally I'm sure they literally would probably harass him with it which is sad but that's how social media works these days Oh, you know somebody is bookmarking. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Uh, January. Uh, I'm sure August bookmark 18th. My stuff, and they're like, I'm going to get her. But then I'm mm-hmm. right. And they're like, well, now I can't get her because she was totally right about that. 
<laughs> I forgot what it was. I was on somebody's guess, and he was like, yeah, you were right about XYZ. I don't even know, and the mentions are too far back. I'm not going to go flip through Twitter and figure out what exactly what it was, but I'm like, if you guys really got to save savor some of these clips, <laughs> I'm kind of scared for my life now. Lord only knows what else you are clipping at this point. Look, if that's what you want to do with your life, that's what you want to do with your life. 